What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. We're into week four, and the Raiders are still working for that first win of the season and have another opportunity this Sunday at home against the division rival Denver Broncos. So for this week's Behind Enemy Lines podcast, please welcome back Joe Rouse from Mile High Report. Joe, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. So you officially have the most guest appearances on this podcast. Do you feel honored? That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, Expectations well, to live up to. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that it goes better than last year's first appearance uh, when <laughs> the Broncos like laid an egg for a half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad to be back. I appreciate the uh, the invite. Well, awesome, man. It gets us going a little bit. So we're three games into the season. How are you feeling about the Broncos after that big win on Sunday night against the 49ers? Were you, how are you thinking the, uh, the rest of the season is going to look? Oh man, I, I'm feeling really optimistic about the offense. And I think for all of my concerns, I think hiring the game management coach, the Broncos hired Jerry Rosberg last Saturday. Uh, I had a lot of concerns just because I've never heard a team hire a management coach in the middle of a year before. So it seems kind of alarm bells, but given the first two weeks, I don't know how much you guys are like the Raider nation has watched the first two weeks. The Broncos were they were just comical errors just in terms of like clock management, game management, fourth down decision-making. And while I would say that I am still a little salty about a few of the decisions in the Niners game, just because I lean towards like the analytics when it comes to fourth down decisions, they looked competent, even if I don't agree with it. And I, and I would say that that was kind of what I was hoping for is because Hackett did not look competent the first two weeks. That was a huge concern. So if that keeps up, I am feeling a lot better about the Broncos now. Uh, on this side of two and one uh, than I was before the Niners game. Uh, the offense definitely still has a long ways to go if they're going to actually make any noise this year. Um, but that's what this game is going to be about. Like this is an opportunity. The Niners had a really strong defense. And I would say that while the, uh, the Raiders have a really, really scary pass rush up front, Russell should be able to move the ball through the air. Gotcha. Yeah. So you actually kind of bring up a point that I was going to ask you at the end, but do you kind of feel like Nathaniel Hackett is in a little bit above his, uh, above his head a little bit right oh, now? Yeah. Not too much. No, without a doubt. Uh, and I would say, honestly, he was my first pick uh, back when the Broncos fired Fangio and we got to see the list of the coaches that Peyton was going to interview. He was my first pick. Uh, I really didn't want Dan Quinn just because like Dan Quinn is kind of a history of like blowing leads and just a lot of other stuff. But I would say through three games, through two games, I was all the way out in Hackett just because he looked like a loss. <laughs> yeah. I was shocked at some of the mistakes he was making just because this is a guy who he grew up in the game. His his dad was a college and NFL coach. Like if, if anybody is going to understand football just on like an intrinsic level, it should be a guy who's lived in it. Like we've seen Kyle Shanahan take to the game like that. And through two games, I didn't see that at all. And it was very concerning. Um, granted Hackett is the kind of personality, like he's very affable that I don't have any doubts about him losing a locker room. So like that part's good, but yeah, three weeks in, like after, again, after the Niners game, still have a lot of concern. I need to go back over the offensive tape and like really see what the Niners did to take away Russell's game because again, like their passing game was just inept for most of the game. Um, but I feel a little better. Uh, I am still very concerned long-term just because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes aren't going anywhere. And three weeks in, I do not have confidence that Hackett is going to be the coach that's going to be able to 
get the Broncos off the snide against the Chiefs. Uh, but I do think that this year could still be fun. And that's kind of what I went into this year hoping for. Yeah, I, you mentioned some of the, the the stuff that have been going on, like the fans counting down the play clock for them, like a, like a shot clock in basketball. I, I saw some of that. And it was got to be honest. It was a little amusing on my end, but I can imagine how uh, irritating that'd be from from your perspective over there. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. And it's one of those things like Broncos fans get really indignant about all the stuff that people are saying about Hackett. But you got to remember, like if McDaniels was doing this, people would be piling on like Broncos country would be yep. going crazy about it. And it's concerning. Like this is the first time head coach. He hired a very inexperienced staff and we knew that they were going to be inexperienced. So like all the errors, like are kind of predictable, but it's still shocking because like this guy had the confidence that wouldn't be a problem. Gotcha. So I want to circle back to something you were talking about yeah. uh, when we were you were just talking about, which is feel like Russell Wilson can get back on track against the Raiders, which don't doubt you, especially with the Raiders secondary being sec, uh, being so shaky right now, a little banged up. But I'm curious, what kind of gives you that confidence, you know, seeing that the as the offense hasn't scored more than 17 points in a game and uh, going into this week? So I'm going to admit part of it is just my like emotional confidence, I guess, <laughs> is how I would describe it in terms of like in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, part of it also is I just don't think the Raiders corners can really hang with Sutton and Judy. Um, so it's one of those things that if the protection can hold up enough, Wilson should be able to find people downfield. Um, that is a, that is a big concern just because I don't know if the Broncos offensive line is going to hold up to the Raiders. Uh, especially because I think Patrick Graham is very good at dialing up pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the Broncos offensive line through three weeks has definitely shown that they are having a lot of issues with pass protection. Part of that is Russell Wilson related. Wilson holds the ball a long time. Him and Aaron Rodgers both do this. Like they'll hold on waiting for something to break late. But what we've seen through three weeks to this point is like Wilson will hold the ball to the point where he gets his line in trouble. Um, and you can't do that in this game. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. So I kind of, my next question is kind of a, a twofold question is what do you think has been the biggest cause of that, of Wilson's slow start? Is it that holding on to the ball that too long? And what do you think he needs to do to get back to that MVP candidate and uh, you know, all pro level? So part of it was Tim Patrick's injury. Uh, the Broncos lost Tim Patrick before they even played a game completely, really reshuffled like what their offense was going to be about. Um, for those of you who've watched a lot of Broncos, like that's not news, but like for Raiders fans, like Tim Patrick in a lot of ways is kind of like, I would say he gives you like 80% of what Cortland Sutton gives you. He's an above the rim winner. He's deep downfield. He's getting like, he's drawing DPIs. He's a guy who will be able to get tough catches over the middle. Like he's the guy that you can throw it to him, even if he's not necessarily open and he just kind of bails you out. And that's what Cortland Sutton does at his best. Judy was always kind of a big question mark in terms of how he was going to pair with Wilson, just because Judy's best stuff is separating over the middle. And that is the thing that Russell Wilson coming into this year, like there was questions about, well, how well is he going to mesh with an offense that's trying to attack the middle more? And through three games, we haven't really seen a lot of that yet. And part of that also on top of the Patrick thing, Judy got hurt. Hamler's been hurt. Uh, so the Broncos essentially had Cortland Sutton and then their wide receiver five and on for, for three weeks. And they got Judy back against the Niners. And I'm assuming, and again, I have to go back over the tape, but based on what I was seeing from the broadcast, I got the vibe that the Niners were probably bracketing Sutton quite a bit. They were playing quite a bit of quarters and they were daring Wilson to make somebody else beat them. 
and it wasn't really happening. Um, Wilson famously doesn't really target his tight ends. The Broncos also don't really have a tight end now that Noah Fant's gone. That really stands out to you as like a reliable go-to guy as a tight end. They have Dulcich, and Dulcich is promising if he gets healthy. Albert O has actually been really quiet in this Nathaniel Hackett offense, which is something I need to go back over. Uh, but they've been using a lot of blocking tight ends. Uh, so part of it, I think, is a dearth of targets. Part of it is an adjustment to a new offense. And part of it is Wilson. I don't think Wilson is as, 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 as athletically gifted as he was even like two years ago. I think he's, his legs are starting to go. Not to say he's old, but he's starting to show those signs that he doesn't have the same ability to extend plays, make people miss in the pocket and scramble around for somebody but he still plays like he does. And sometimes that gets him in trouble. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from where, you know, he's trying to trying to be a little bit of hero ball and doesn't quite have that same, uh, you know, pocket magician kind of a deal that he had in the last few years in Seattle. So I, I can see where you're coming from. One thing that I was going to ask you about that I think you pretty much already touched on a little bit is the difference between how Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton have kind of meshed with Russell Wilson, obviously. Uh, you were talking about with Cortland Sutton kind of winning on the outside on those contested catches and Judy just seems to have that struggle. So do you think it's, it's that, is that what it is, is kind of Russell is one of those guys that like to throw up the, the 50, 50 balls and just hasn't had um, maybe doesn't mesh quite as well with Judy. So Wilson for his career, if you go back and look at like his heat maps, Wilson famously targets the boundaries a lot more than the middle of the field and a lot more than an average quarterback. And part of that's height related. And again, Broncos fans wanted to scoff at that this summer just because, you know, new quarterback, he can do no wrong. But the truth of the matter is Russell Wilson is like five foot 10. So like throwing over the middle of the field, like there's a certain degree of like you're throwing blind, like just because there's a lot of tall bodies in the middle of the field that you have to get around. And what Wilson and you see this with Kyler Murray as well. They both tend to target the boundaries more as a way to cope with the fact that they don't throw to the middle of the field as much. And how that impacts Judy is that Judy and Sutton and honestly, Tim Patrick and Sutton, like I said before, are very similar. They're the kind of guys who they're not going to necessarily be separators. Like they'll separate every now and then, but what makes them so good is that even when they're covered, they have the ability to go up and win contested catches pretty reliably. I would say a 50, 50 ball to Cortland Sutton is more like a 60, 40 or 70, 30, as long as the throw is good. Whereas Jerry Judy, and, and again, I think he can do this a little bit. I'm not saying he can't like that's, you know, the Twitter narrative part of this, but Judy's strengths of his game is he's a separator. Like he is the mm-hmm. Broncos best separator. He's the Broncos best route runner, but where that really presents itself is on in breaking routes over the middle of the field. And Russell Wilson, if he's not looking there, then he's not going to make, take advantage of that. And the Broncos have done some dialing up and focusing to try and get Judy involved, but also the injury. So well, I would think that it'll probably settle in as we get, you know, get moving towards this through the season. But so far that has been an adjustment for sure. So when you say they're trying to like dial some more stuff up with Judy, what does that look like? Is that like screens and that kind of stuff or like design passes to, to him in, in the shorter yardage? I would love to see more slants. I would love to see, uh, we saw a dagger in the Niners game, a dagger that went to Cortland Sutton and it was a great play. Um, and Judy has to threaten them over the top to really create that. And he can. I would like to see plays like that because I think his like his ability to snap off and break on a 90 degree stem is very good. Like, again, I think he is it. We haven't seen it in the numbers yet, but in terms of like just watching the tape, I would say that in terms of route running and route separation, he is a very good to an elite player 
to this point, he has been paired with really, really bad quarterbacks. And then the strengths of his game to this point just haven't really aligned with Russell Wilson yet. So we'll see. Um, it might honestly be one of those things that like, and again, I'm not hoping for this, but it might be one of those things where we end up finding out that Jerry Judy is not necessarily a great fit with Russell Wilson. And he ends up emerging on his next stop with whoever else he plays with and looks like an elite receiver because they take advantage of what he's good at. I hope that's not the case. I hope the Broncos figure out how to maximize him, but they need, they need to find a way to use his strengths as a route runner more. And Wilson has to trust him. So with Judy struggling to find a connection with uh, Russell Wilson and Tim Patrick, obviously not going to be playing. Are there any under the radar pass catchers that Raider fans should know about um, or any one-on-one matchups that you might like heading into center? I mean, if the Broncos can isolate KJ Hamler on like, let's say Jonathan Abram, I would feel really great. Um, (laughs) KJ Hamler has been one of those players too, that three years into his career, we really still don't know what he is other than he is kind of like a baby version of Judy in terms of like very, very good separator. But on top of like what Judy's limitations are in terms of going up to get the ball in contested situations, KJ Hamler is small. And he doesn't necessarily have a catch radius, but that said, he's so fast and he's so explosive that if the Broncos can match him up on the right Raider, I could see him having a very, very big play. Uh, But looking down the depth chart farther, Kendall Hinton might have a play or two, but he's not a, he's not a difference maker as a receiver. What he is, he's the guy who is going to do every little dirty thing to stay on the field, which makes him valuable, but he's not a guy that I would think that Graham is going to be worrying about. Um, And then when you look at the Broncos tight ends, unless Dulcich plays, and even if Dulcich plays, he's a rookie who has not practiced or played very much. So I wouldn't expect much, but he could be a mismatch in terms of like athletically. Um, Albert O has like the athletic mismatch factor, but the Broncos don't seem to really trust him. Um, And the rest of the Broncos tight ends are essentially blockers. Gotcha. Moving on to running backs, I think the last time we talked, we went over how Javante Williams should be taking over as the lead back in Denver's backfield, but he has 37 carries to Melvin Gordon, 34 this year. Is that the proper distribution in your mind? No, I don't think so at all. (laughs) Uh, Melvin Gordon has three fumbles on the year. uh, And two, yeah, and two of those came in like really bad areas. Uh, And it's just one of those things where like, I think Melvin Gordon's fine. I think he's... I think he's good enough to be a starting running back for some of the teams in the league. I think the Broncos clearly have a better runner in Javante Williams. The problem is, and this is going to be a problem until Javante Williams makes it not a problem. The coaching staff has issues trusting his vision. Uh, That was a big knock on him coming out of North Carolina. Uh, And part of it's because he's just a callow runner. Like he was a linebacker that turned into a running back in college. And then he split duties in college. So he just didn't, he didn't run that much. But part of it also, he just has to make better decisions. Uh, he is one of those people, and I, I've gone to length to write about this before. Outside zone, people don't really understand that, like how much of that is just a decision on the running back. Like you have right. to read how the defense is playing and then adjust where you're going with the ball to maximize the hole that's being made for you. Javante Williams has shown time and time again through two years that he does not reliably make that decision. On the other side of that, Javante Williams has elite contact balance and he's a very, very good athlete. So he makes up for it a lot of times. Cause even if you, even if he's wrong, he'll break a tackle and still make it work. But the coaching staff doesn't, doesn't necessarily trust that because you can't count on that because it leads to more boomer bust runs. So they're giving the ball to Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon does have very good vision. So, but I would say that Javante Williams needs to take a step up to really maximize what this offense is. 
So do you think he needs more opportunities or is it just a matter of he's getting the opportunities and just not making the most of them? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, and I think, and again, I think uh, in the Texans game, he had a play where he, I think he ran for like 15, 16 yards. I don't have the play you know, queued up or anything, but he, he ran right past the hole. Um, it just worked. And that's one of those things where like, it's a, the process isn't great, but the results are what you want. So yeah. fans see it and I can see it obviously. And as like, I think that he is so much more explosive and I think that he is harder to tackle. And I think that he doesn't fumble nearly as much. So like in those ways, I think he deserves more patience to figure it out, but I think there's going to be a, some ugly days in the process if you're dealing with that. And I think the Broncos have to deal with that if they're going to really maximize their backfield. How about the passing game? How, how do the Broncos get the running backs involved in the passing game or are they? Yeah, no, they are. Uh, that is one area where they are trying to keep Javante Williams involved. I want to say that Javante Williams has like top five targets uh, among like, I, I don't, again, don't have the number in front of me, but I know at one point after the Niner game, he was like in that top 10 list. Cause I saw PFF, one of the PFF guys sharing it. Um, but they try and get the ball to him in space on swing routes. Uh, Russell Wilson, when he is not able to get downfield, he has been very, very happy to dump it down to Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I would say more than the tight ends, even for sure. Um, so I would say that that is definitely something that the Raiders are going to have to account for is that the Broncos running backs are going to get the ball on the second level from Wilson. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about the offensive line. And I want to start with Garrett Bowles, who I feel like is a polarizing player within Broncos country. Why do you think that is? His hands. Uh, he was a first round bust who kind of put it together really late. And then he got that second team all pro. And then since then, this was so this was 2020. He got the second team all pro and Broncos fans. Because And then here's the other thing. PFF has been loving him since 20, the end of 2019. So Broncos fans think he is a top 10 tackle. Guys like Brandon Thorne and, and listeners may very well know him because I know you know him. Right. Uh, who's like, you know, the line enthusiast. Uh, has never gone as far to say as Garrett Bowles, a top 10 tackle. And when I've talked to him before and like, it's, you know, just to like confirm my own suspicions, it's his hands. He doesn't reliably do what needs to be done. And he has a bad habit of when he gets beat, he has a bad habit of wrapping a guy with his arm. And in 2020, that wasn't getting called nearly as often as it has since. Um, and in the first week of the season against the Seahawks, uh, my uh Schwartz for uh he used to play for the Chiefs. He pointed this out. Fleming and Bulls were both getting away with a lot of holds and just wasn't getting called. And last week against the Niners, we saw that against Bosa. So that is definitely going forward. That is a huge concern for me. Because if the refs are going to call it, Garrett Bowles is going to get called for holding until he gets his hands back to where they were. Cause like they've regressed, if anything. And this might be a sign that Mike Munchak is gone. Uh the Broncos replaced their offensive line coach. But yeah, like he is back to like doing like, I call it the Wrangler. He literally like sticks his arm out to the side and like hooks a guy as he's running around <laughs> the outside. And what that does is it sets him up to why nine rushers can give him a lot of issue. If they have a quick burst off the snap, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, they can both do that. Yeah. I felt like, uh, almost every year he's up, uh, Garrett Bowles is up there and those like most holding penalties in the NFL because of what you're talking about. His hands just get so wide. Yep. On the other end is a right tackle has kind of been a longstanding issue for the Broncos. Um, so they sign. So through the first three games are kind of how they've been able to rectify that problem or who has been out there for them. Yeah. So they, uh, 
at the end of last year, they let Bobby Massey and Cam Fleming go. And for weeks, they did nothing. And then they signed Billy Turner and Cam Fleming. And then the idea in training camp was it was going to be an open competition between Turner, Fleming, and Kelvin Anderson, who has been kind of on the roster as a backup tackle for a while. Uh, Billy Turner was expected to kind of run away with the job, but then he's been hurt. Um, and what's notable is he got cut from the Packers last year with a flunked physical because of his knee. His knee appears to be the issue right now. So I don't know when he'll play. The hope is he'll play this game, but we haven't seen him. Uh, Cam Fleming is kind of what he is. Uh, I think he's a good run blocker. I think he is a willing pass protector, uh, but many of the same issues that Bowles has, he has in terms of his hands can get wide. Um, but in addition to that, Fleming doesn't have the same quickness laterally. And Fleming can also be fooled by stunts. Uh, if you run a twist at him, there are times where he will block nobody because he doesn't know who to block. And that's obviously a huge problem. Um, so the hope is obviously that the Broncos will eventually get Billy Turner back because that will, in theory, solve the right tackle issue. But right now they've been rolling with Cam Fleming. And we saw last week against the Niners, like that's, it's a weakness. It's a weakness that the, the Raiders can take advantage of for sure. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I remember watching the uh, the first game against the Broncos last year, and I know it's a, a new offensive line coach and a new right tackle this year, but I remember watching the Raiders and I'm like, I feel like they're stunting way more than they ever have in a game. And it's kind of funny to, to hear that and think it's a new guy and a new coach and it's it's still maybe a part of the game plan. So interesting. Well, I would say watch. like Grant, Graham has the kind of pressures too that could give, give Fleming fits. Um, and then the right tackle, the right guard situation right now, Quinn Miners got hurt. So right now the Broncos have been running with Graham Glasgow at right guard. And Graham Glasgow, is, he's a savvy, solid vet. Uh, and I would say that he is like reliably one of the Broncos better pass protectors, but if they're switching that out to Quinn Miners, Quinn Miners is a better run blocker. And I would say the Quinn Miners in terms of like sheer physicality is better than uh, Graham Glasgow, but having been out and then hopping back in with Fleming, that there's definitely the potential for miscommunications between them. And I'm again, it's a concern. Yeah. I was going to ask you how my guy, uh, Quinn Miners was doing the, the pride of D three football. So he's been banged up. Uh, is there yeah. any chance he'll play on, on Sunday? It's looking likely, uh, last I checked, uh, the hope was that he would be healthy by this week. So we'll see. Gotcha. And then he, he you'd say he'd be an upgrade over uh, Glasgow. I think he'd be an upgrade definitely in the run blocking department. Glasgow as a run blocker is more like serviceable. Like he never block, like he's not a guy who's going to knock you off the ball, but he's a guy who will position block you and just stay in your way. Miners is the guy that literally you can sit behind him. He's going to road grade <laughs> people. He's a snowplow. Um, so I definitely think that, and I think that Miners is a good enough pass protector that it's pretty comparable. I just think the one big thing that like me as a warrior would be concerned about is just Miners hasn't seen stunts on the same level. Like Glasgow has been playing a lot longer. Uh, and I just think that that could be a problem, especially because Fleming's going to have issues with it. Makes sense. So shifting to the other side of the ball, generally speaking, how has the defense looked overall without Vic Banjo? They certainly haven't been giving up a ton of points. No, they've looked good. Uh, I would say that Ajiro Avero has been the bright spot of the Broncos coaching staff by far. Um, and I would say that the way he's coaching right now, it wouldn't surprise me if he starts to get some love as a head coaching candidate next year. I don't know if he'll get hired, but I could definitely see him starting to show up in the lists of people to talk to. Uh, just because, again, three, three weeks, 
without the Broncos defense, they're not winning games. Uh, and that's honestly like just, that speaks to him. He's done a very, very good job of dialing up pressures and attacking protections. Uh, and honestly, one of the things I think has helped him, he is essentially running the Fangio defense that he was running with the Rams or he was a part of with the Rams. So it's a Fangio style defense, but it's mixed in some Wade Phillips mixed in some like Saban because that's what Staley was doing. Um, and that's, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a little bit more man. We're seeing like more pressures than like more exotic pressures than I think we've seen from Fangio recently. Um, one of the things, and part of this is health as well. Um, the Broncos having Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory right now, they've both been healthy. One of the things that Vero has done a few times a game that I've seen that I'm really happy with is he's using Bradley Chubb as a joker. He'll stand him up as a, a stand-up linebacker, but he's still a threat to rush. Um, and what you can do is you have to account for them, the two edge rushers and him, what they're going to do. Cause they'll run a game off that. Um, and it's caused issues and granted it was the Texans uh, granted, you know, it was the Niners, but I, I think that's something we'll see a little bit going forward as well. That's, that's quite the, uh, the coaching tree there. Would you say it was a, a Fangio um, Saban and who else did you say was in there? Fangio Saban and Wade Phillips are like, I would say the three strong influences that are showing up in, in his defense. And it's been cool. Yeah, not bad company to be in for sure. So you brought up Bradley Chubb and I'm curious how have him and Randy Gregory who signed in the off season, how they kind of like balance each other out and complement each other. Oh, they've been great. Um, Bradley Chubb is, I would say from what I've seen, Bradley Chubb is more of like a creator in terms of like, he's not always the guy that's the guy. He's not always the one making the sack, mm-hmm. but he is often the guy being used to rush inside and create on a, like on a stunt, like when you're running a looper behind him because they have to occupy him and he's big enough to run inside and like occupy that guard or like the tackle has to block down. And all of a sudden somebody's free to come around. Um, so a lot of times he's a, somebody who is integral to the Broncos pass rush games. Gregory is kind of like the one-on-one matchup killer. Like, and he's been rushing and like been very effective at it. Um, the other one that I would say that you guys probably need to keep in mind is Baron Browning. Uh, if he's healthy and word as he is, he is kind of carved out like a significant role as the Broncos third edge. And he plays quite a bit. Like he's playing right around 60% of the snaps. So who does he kind of sub in for them when error? Who does Browning? A little sub bit in of for? both. They they've been rotating those. They've been rotating those three quite a bit altogether. The other thing the Broncos have done a few, like at least from what I've seen a few times a game, is they'll run with uh, Bigs on one end and then Edges on the other. Or gotcha. and this is something that was a Fangio thing that I would expect them to do if they have any issues with injury with these three, is we might see Draymond Jones running as a big end on one side and then an edge rusher on the other side. We haven't seen it much yet, but it's something that Fangio did quite a bit because he only had one edge for a big chunk of his tenure. So, so I could definitely see that in the works. So I'm assuming you, you'd see a scenario where they might put Chubb and uh, Gregory and maybe even Browning on probably against the Raiders right side of the offensive line, which obviously I'm sure, you know, has had uh, quite a few issues going the this throughout the season. I could definitely see that as a, as a, like a, like a game that they try and play just because Chubb can rush inside competently. Gregory offers like a speed rush that is going to be a problem for just about any right tackle. And the other thing is Browning, Gregory and Chubb are all capable in coverage. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I know you brought up DJ or Draymond Jones. Um, tell me about the interior guys. What do they bring to the table? The big question this week for the Broncos is going to be DJ Jones. He's in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the Broncos like 320 pound nose tackle. They signed from the Niners. 
and he's been very good. Um, again, as a nose tackle, the stats aren't going to necessarily be like super glamorous, but he was a destroyer early on uh, against the Niners until he got hurt. He is hard to run on in the middle. Draymond Jones is more of a gap shooter. He's like your prototypical three technique. Um, he's a little bit undersized. Gap scheme is going to give him a little bit of issues just because you can overwhelm him at the point of attack with double teams. Um, and I would say that Deshaun Williams, who is the Broncos' third defensive tackle, it's going to look a lot like like a, a lesser version of Draymond Jones in terms of like he's a little bit undersized. He's going to have some problems with man, but he's one of those guys that he's a better pass rusher than he gets credit for, and he's a capable run defender. Uh, Mike Purcell will be the nose tackle that plays a lot if DJ Jones is not healthy. And you guys are probably familiar with Mike Purcell. Um, Better run defender than pass pass rusher. Honestly, I would say he's pretty much a non-factor as a pass rusher. Um, But he's very capable of holding down. He's very good against outside zone. Um, He's just, he's sneaky quick. And he'll he'll skip under a block and be in the backfield. Um, I would say that's probably the best scheme. Like his best scheme against, like that's his outside zone. Gotcha. At linebacker, Josie Jewell made his season debut against the 49ers after missing the first two games with an injury. Can you tell us about what he brings to the Broncos defense? Reliable tackling. <laughs> uh, when Josie Jewell was hurt, the Broncos replaced him with Alex Singleton. And I would say Alex Singleton is a better athlete, and it shows up in coverage and chasing down runs in pursuit, especially outside zone type runs. Uh, but Josie Jewell is a better, ba- like he's better banging inside. He does a better job of shedding blocks. He does a better job meeting blocks and stalemating them. And then, yeah, he's just a more reliable tackler um, and he's savvy. Uh, and I think that that's the big thing that you notice between Josie Jewell and Jonas Griffith. Jonas Griffith has kind of been the Broncos de facto LB2 uh, through all of this. And Griffith, Griffith is a freak athlete and he has the size and speed you expect to like turn into a very, very good player. He just hasn't yet. Um, as of now, he's kind of more tools than polish. Um, and there's, there's a couple of mental errors that showed up in the Seahawks game. One showed up in the Houston game. So like, he's somebody I could see them try and take advantage of Josh McDaniels will probably try and isolate him. Uh, but if Jules on the field, I feel better about it because Jules kind of like the middle of the defense. He's the shot caller. I know it's early and Patrick Sertan has had a few injuries already this season, but can you tell us about the growth that you've seen from him in year one to year two? I mean, oh man. He is by far the Broncos best defender at this point, um, which is wild to wow. say as a year or two guy, but he's just a lockdown corner. Uh, he's a technician. He he's quite physical. So if the refs are calling DPI, that could become a problem. I haven't seen it become a problem yet, but there's, there's enough coverage downfield where he is like jamming up on guys that I could definitely see a ticky tacky call or two down the road. Uh, but he's strong at the catch point. Um, I would say the biggest weakness to his game is he's not a great tackler, but he's a cornerback. Like I could, Mm -hmm. you know, I think people can live with a shaky tackler, but yeah, he does it all. Otherwise, like he, he has the eyes, he has the footwork. He's good at the line of scrimmage. He's good playing off. He's yeah. He's everything you want in a cornerback. So Ronald Darby was a guy that the Broncos bought in last season and between injuries and just kind of average play when he was on the field, it didn't feel like he lived up to expectations. How has he been so far this time around? He's definitely having a stronger season this year. Uh, willing run defender, kind of a poor man's Sertan in terms of like, probably not quite as good in phase, maybe not quite as good at the line of scrimmage, but he has very good eyes. Um, his ball production does not, does not suggest this, but he does a very good job reading the quarterback and making plays to break up passes. 
Um, doesn't have very many interceptions last year. I think he had zero. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been good. Honestly, I would say the Broncos quarterbacks this year are as good as we've seen in the last four years. If they can stay healthy. Gotcha. Gotcha. So with Justin Simmons on IR, who are the Broncos bringing or who are the Broncos going to be relying on at safety and what are they missing without Simmons? So, I mean, Simmons, like before the injury, I would say Simmons is the Broncos best player period. Um, you know, outside of position, uh, missing him in a lot of ways kind of just fundamentally changes what you're doing on the back end, just because Simmons can erase a lot of mistakes from other people. So, cause he has very good range. He does a very good job processing and he anticipates. Uh, and he has that like safety slash corner, like versatility in terms of like, if you need him matching up on somebody, he he's reliable at it. Um, without him on the field, the Broncos are counting on Caden Stearns to play that role. Um, Caden Stearns was drafted last year at Texas. I think he was a fifth round pick elite athlete had a very, very good freshman year at Texas and then kind of like kind of coasted the rest of the way. He's been good in the pros. Um, I, w- I actually expected him to push Kareem Jackson for a starting job this year. Didn't happen, but he looks capable. I would say he's probably closer to solid than like Justin Simmons level by any means, but he also shows a knack for getting into throwing lanes and he's willing to play the run. Um, I think he could be baited into mistakes. I haven't seen it yet. It's early, you know, in the season, but I, again, he's one of those guys I could see Josh McDaniels try and test. So I'm curious because uh, you bring up Caden Stearns and I, I, I noticed him a little bit last year. Do you think he's a guy that maybe they could they could turn the reins over to uh, when Simmons gets healthy and maybe they get rid of Kareem Jackson? Is he a guy that's going to be there in the, for the long haul on that defense? I think this is it for Kareem Jackson this year. Uh, I did not expect him to get signed and then they did and he's looked fine. Um, but I do think Caden Stearns is going to eventually take that job, yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Joe, I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, real quick, just so our, our Raider fans can keep tabs on the enemy all season long, where can the, the good people of Raider Nation find you? So I talk about the Broncos and other teams on Twitter at Joro underscore NFL. Uh, I will probably clip parts of the game. So if you want to see good, bad, and otherwise from the Raiders, uh, that'll probably be on my Twitter. Awesome, guys. Guys, go make sure you go follow Joe. Like I said, keep tabs on the Broncos. And he does a lot of stuff, uh, good stuff during the draft. And like you said, post some clips from uh, this week's game. But as always, you guys know where to find me, Adam Holder 95 on Twitter. Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys. <laughs>